0: So uh, small groups will kick off next Sunday, which means this is small group sign up Sunday. So thank you for being here. Um, we'll talk about that in a quick second. Um, what I'm more interested in talking about right now is um, how you and I, how we spent the time from Christmas to New Year's and the, bridging that gap. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you did, but for me and my family, we ended up playing what my son likes to call throw catch and throw dive, just like the Seahawks. So here's here's us. We're hanging out right here. Um, he takes his shirt off because he gets really really sweaty, and um, and he wants to show off his muscles like DK Metcalf. So he's DK. Uh, I'm obviously Russell Wilson, right? So and he goes, "Daddy," not not Russell and DK from last night's game, but from the beginning of the season. Wow. So we're working on kind words as we're teaching our son. Right. So anyways, that's me. Look at the form. I mean, just a natural. Right. We have spent so much time perfecting it. You can't tell from the photo, but that is a killer spiral. I mean, phenomenal. Right. Uh, but we we spent so much time over the last kind of that stretch, even really from Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's playing football, just throwing the ball back and forth and back and forth and work on your dives and work on your catch and eye on the ball. Because when your eye leaves the ball, what does the ball do? Dad, it hits me in the face every time. That's right. The fundamentals are very, very important. Now, here's what I learned as we kind of our family like yours drifted and kind of transitioned into 2021. I found out that um, by saying yes to this area in life, we're saying no to other areas of life. Um, by saying yes to football, we're saying no to chores. And, and football is great, but if you ask mom, and quite frankly, if I'm honest, chores are more... Uh more important than football, right? By saying yes to football, we're saying yes to broken furniture because things break when you throw footballs and your son misses, right? So the, everything in life is a trade-off. And, and no doubt you've experienced this as well, right? You're 2020. Maybe you had some goals and some dreams and some desires, and you were saying yes to this area in life. And maybe over here, you realize by saying yes, this became a no, in certain areas of your life kind of drifted. Um, I don't know what your 2020 goals were, um, but I had a long list. And in February of 2020, it, February 1 is my official start date here at North County. So my family, we had dreams and goals of here's what life is going to be like when we move, starting fresh, really, really excited. And then we got here in February and then in March, the world shut down. So all of our goals, we were headed this way in life and we just kind of drifted and we ended up in other places that we decided really we weren't supposed to end up and we just drifted and we got there And i'm sure i'm not the only one, right? Maybe you've got some some really really good goals some strong goals or you call them new year's resolutions or whatever you want Um, but if we're not careful, we're gonna drift And you may be saying yes to something that is really good But it's not great it's not the greatest thing it's it's really good it's helpful it's beneficial um it's even the right thing but it's not the greatest thing and so for our family we found that we kind of drifted this last year and we wanted to get back um to really th- the basics and things we wanted to be known for and i'm sure you've done this with your family um or maybe you do this with yourself right uh but i want to read you a couple car- uh, categories in life that we set goals for right make sure we don't drift um the first one is this in our finances we set goals in our finances we we want to be generous people we want to be wise when it comes to the area of finances and what we're giving to and how we are being generous and supporting other people, as well as the practical things of like, just pay your bills on time, right? So that's really important to us. Um, friendships. We wanted to be intentional with friendships because it's it's a little bit more difficult now. And it's been hard to just kind of coast in friendships because it used to just be social people and we would just get together. But now we have to be much more intentional because of COVID and all that fun stuff, right? Um, goals in our health, because we realize that when you sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day, you, you start to get unhealthy. So we want to correct that. Um, we also have goals in our marriage. We want a really, really strong marriage. We don't want to be roommates raising kids. We want to be husbands and wives um, loving each other intentionally. And when other people come in contact with us, we want them to walk away going, wow, I want a marriage like those guys. So that's our goal, right? We kind of have some stuff set up for that. Um, Goals in parenting, because we want to be phenomenal parents. We have educational goals, certain books that we're going to read throughout the year. Um, We also have goals for our hobbies. And um, you're thinking, wow, this guy has a lot of goals. I reached like maybe half of them, okay? But the whole point is like I have a direction in my life of where I'm going. That's the whole idea behind all this. And in the very end, which is probably the foundation and the most important, is the spiritual life. We have goals for our family of how we're going to grow spiritually. And so I want to ask us, the church this, this morning, um, have you thought through intentionally how you're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ this year? What What is the goal? Is it some scripture memorization? Is it more obedience? Is it more loving? Is it maybe you're going to share your faith with uh, people that you work with? Wh- whatever it is, have you thought through that process and have you set a goal And then have you created a plan so that you can actually achieve that goal instead of it just being like a dream and wishful thinking and and all of that? Um, We went back and we started looking at the scriptures and saying, okay, what what's the most important thing when it comes to following Jesus Christ? If we could be known for something in our relationship with Jesus Christ, what, what would that be? And if you're a longtime Christian, you probably know this passage. You've stumbled upon it. You've probably heard a million sermons on this. And if you're new, this will be very, very helpful for you because it's going to allow you to build on a very strong foundation. But I kept coming back to this passage with my wife and I and saying, okay, this is what we're going to be known for. And in fact, this passage that we're going to read in a moment is the theme for our small groups ministry this year. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, and we'll pick it up in verse 36. Now, uh, my Bible happens to glow. Uh, Some of you are, you're like old school with um, real paper and real ink on that real paper. And if you hold up, if you hold that up, maybe you're at home streaming and you've got a Bible next to you, if you hold it up, it's a thick book, depending on font size. uh, Some are bigger and, and some are smaller, but it's a decent sized book. And you may have come to the point of like, okay, I don't know that I can read all this in one sitting, maybe even a year. I don't know what, like, what's the most important thing? What should I be doing? What can someone summarize this whole thing? If you've ever asked that question, this passage is going to address it right here. So there's a, a, a man and he's talking with Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? It's got the whole book of the Bible out of everything that's in here. What's the greatest? Not what's good. What is the greatest thing? Here's Jesus reply. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The first, this is the first and greatest commandment. And he goes on. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two Commandments. It's as if he is saying, you can be known and you can do a lot of other things that are in this book, but the most important thing for you to do in this world, in this life is to love God and is to love people. Everything else is secondary by default. If that is the greatest thing in the whole wide world, everything else is secondary. Are you with me? Because if it's the greatest, there can't be something that's greater. er. Right? Okay. We know this. Um, and the word in this passage is very important. It's the word agape. It's Greek. There are actually four types of love according to the Greek language. I'm not going to run you through all of them. Just know that agape is the love that God has for us, for humanity. It is a love without a single condition on it. It is just, it's love. No conditions, no rules, no regulations. It is love. It is the love of the will. It is the love of God. It is the most powerful love in the whole world. And so Jesus is saying, for you and I, the greatest thing that we can do is have unconditional love for God and unconditional love for our neighbor. That's it. Think about that for a moment. So you're like, conditional love on God, how does it actually work? Um, you ever make a promise with God? God, if you do this, then I will. I'm the only one? <laughs> Usually for me, it always comes down to, to God's timing. God, if you would speed this process up, then I promise I'll be more patient, loving, kind, generous, whatever it is, right? And uh, I've put a condition on that relationship. It's as if if you were to reverse that, it would be God looking at me going, Steve, if you were more kind and loving to your wife and kids, then I would bless you more. There's conditions there. And God says, no, 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 no. Steve, if you weren't such a sinner, I'd love you more. That's not our gospel. That's not our Jesus. Our God, Jesus Christ says, Steve, I love you. Well, God, do you love me more if I pray more? No. Do you love me more if I sin less? No, because you're putting conditions on this. I just, I just love you. Some would even say that that is good news. So that's the love I'm supposed to have for God. It's also the love I'm supposed to have for my neighbor, which is Christian kind of language because we don't really talk like, I love your neighbor." It, it's more, the people you come in contact with, those are your neighbors. It's the people you rub shoulders with, the people you see at work. It's the water cooler conversations, the people you're passing in line at the grocery store. The people you come in contact with, unconditional love for them. I'm going to love you without... Any conditions on it i'm just going to love you because that's how god loves me That's what jesus is saying. He says look there's a lot of other things in the good book and it is good It's not the greatest The greatest thing you can do is to love god and to love other people without a single condition That is a powerful powerful statement and jesus says it himself now here's the deal um, we tend to compartmentalize people we, we create categories or boxes for people. And, and I'm not upset about this. We do this all the time. It's hardwired into us. It's kind of how you and I make um, sense of a chaotic world around us. We put people in boxes and in categories, which is fine. I'm not upset about that. But when you and I put conditions on the people in those boxes or categories, then we have an issue. It's no longer agape love. It's more like uh, favoritism. But here's some of the ways we can do this, right? I, I created a quick little list. Um, people with certain last names, their last name in a certain community carries more weight, more influence, more power, right? We're going to treat those people a little bit differently. Uh, depending on the people that vote, if they vote according to the way that I see the world, then I'm going to bless you and love you more. And if you vote contrary to me, whoo, say love you, right? Uh, geographical, if you live here in Linden or if you live anywhere else in the world, right? There's this like, ooh, okay, uh, also, your finances, right? If you have more money, we're going to treat you differently. Also, if you're homeless, you might be treated differently. Uh, and then your just your social status. Where are you in the pecking order in society? These are certain categories and boxes that we put people in. My main point is not that it's bad that we put people in those boxes. My main point is simply that if we treat people differently based on those boxes, then, then we've missed the mark. We have missed. And this next section is very important. Are you a dog or a cat person? <laughs> I'm still praying and working on this thing here. Real quick, just out of curiosity, how many of you dog people? Just quick show of hands. That's all I need to know. Great. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Coffee people? Okay, real quick, how many of you are tea people? Are you British? Like, why? And then music and movies and books, basically how, how you consume media. What? You've never heard of that band? That dance? That app? That social media platform, what? Where have you been? Right? We place people in all these boxes. And again, it's wrong for you and I. It is not unconditional love. It's not agape love if we're treating people differently based on those boxes. Are you with me? So, number one in your notes, this is so important. Number one, love without conditions. That's the greatest thing you and I can do with, with our whole life, with our 2021. The best thing, the greatest thing that you and I could do is to love people without any single condition. It's so so clear, so simple. And look what happens um, if we do this, right? Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 13. We'll pick it up uh, in verse 33. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. He's talking to the disciples right now. Just a little while longer. I'm I'm leaving. You look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. You can't come visit me here. So he says this. It's as if it's his like his parting words, right? These words, He's setting up this scene. He's saying, I'm going to leave you in a little bit, so what I'm about to tell you is incredibly important because I won't be here long. So lean in, take notes. What I'm about to do is very important. He says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. And they're thinking, that's not that new. But listen, the new part comes next. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's new. There's never been a love the way that Jesus loves. That part's new. Meaning, don't just have you know good feelings towards other people. And don't just be polite towards other people and put up with them. Or don't simply be hospitable to people. He says, no, 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 no. I want you to love people like I've loved you. And don't miss this. He's about to lay down his life for all of humanity. This is huge. And listen, listen. Verse 35. By this, like this type of love, by this, everyone, the whole world watching, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then Simon Peter is so great. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Like he missed it. No, I'm not mad about it. Like I'd be curious too, if I was Simon Peter, I don't know how the book ends, right? I'm living in the moment. I go, where are you going? Like, we like you. We want you to hang around. We like your teachings. We feel love. Like, where are you going? And it's like, he missed it. And Simon Peter, great question. It's a good question. But it's secondary to what Jesus just said. He said, the whole world will know that you are a follower of me by the way that you guys love one another. Not, not how you dress, not the type of car you drive, part of town you live in, the job you have, how you vote—none of that stuff. Not even how righteous and moralistic you are. None of that. It's the way that we love each other. The whole world is going to look and go. They must be a follower of Jesus. Do, do you understand that? That is, that is so profound. It's not in tricks and and great philosophy or storytelling or manipulation. It's none of that. The whole world will change and know that we're followers of Jesus Christ by the way that we love one another, how we interact. It's what our world needs. And and he says, by by this, if you love people the way that I have loved you, the whole world is going to know. They're going to say Those people, they must be followers of Jesus. And again, we're talking about this agape love, right? It's love without conditions. So you're like, okay, I'm with you so far. What does that actually look like? You've probably heard this passage too. Uh, Maybe it was even at your wedding, right? Or you've heard it in movies that have wedding scenes in it. It's called uh, the love chapter, which I think is kind of fun. But it's not written to husbands and wives for their weddings, It's written to a church in Corinth because they're having a huge argument over spiritual gifts. And Paul's going, hold on, I need to tell you about this love thing. Remember Jesus said you'd be known for this? Here's what he says. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Just imagine if our relationships were like that. We're only halfway through the passage. We're, we're patient and we're kind. We're not keeping records. Um, imagine what your marriage would be like for the people that come in contact with you. Imagine what your children would say about you. He, he keeps going. It's, it's beautiful. Love, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. To the church in Corinth, the world will know you're a disciple, or a disciple of Jesus Christ by the way you love one another, not what spiritual gift you have or which one you think is superior than the other one. It, it's about love. And the church missed it. They're, they're fighting So the outsiders, the people that do not attend that church in Corinth, they're looking at this going, I thought you guys were supposed to be about love, but you can't even get along. You're fighting over a spiritual gift given to you from Jesus. What? I think you all missed it. And so he's writing and he says, look, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. I'm glad you have this gift and you're doing your thing because God has given me this gift and I'm doing my thing. And together, that's a beautiful thing. Not that I mean that 's the idea, not like the fighting with one another. Now, the world should know we 're Christians because of the way that we love one another. Uh, the problem in our, our world and our society is that that 's not what Christians are known for. Uh, I read a book in college, and I always thought it was funny when pastors said they read a book and it changed their life. I was like you got to be kidding me it 's just a book, and it changed your life so anyways, uh, this book changed my life in college (laughs) um and let me tell you why before i read the chapters and all that um we read this and it was really interesting because this book doesn't represent me or my friends or really even my church experience but i'll tell you what it is it's it's unchristian and it says what a new generation really thinks about christians and why it matters this is dated i said i wrote i read it in college it's research done in 2007 but i think it still applies David Kinnaman, uh, he's the president of uh, the Barna Group. They do surveys all throughout the U.S. And basically the question was simply this. When you hear the word Christian, what do you think of? And basically he compiled all this national study, all this research, and he said when people think of Christians, they think of unchristian things. So I'm just going to read you the chapter, and don't get lost on good, bad, right, wrong, bad, ugly. Okay? Don't get lost on that. I just want you to see... Just the chapter headings on some of these things, okay? Um, chapter 3, he takes the first two chapters and explains, you, you know, what the book is about and how they came across their research. Chapter 3 says Christians are known for being hypocritical. They're known for just, uh, for basically, get saved. And the whole idea is that I don't really care about your life or what's going on or how to help you. I just want you to pray the prayer so I can get the, the spiritual notch on my belt, if that makes sense. Uh, we're known for anti-homosexual. We're known for being sheltered, for too political, Last year, the season was ripe. Uh, we're known, chapter 8, about being judgmental. Now, what is not in, on the book and what is not on that list is the word love. Now, again, I'm not mad about any of this stuff. And part of this is people's perception. It might not be fact. But all I'm trying to say is that love is not on the list when people hear the word Christian. So we, we have some work to do. Good, bad, right, wrong, ugly, whatever. I'm not even going to get into that. That's a whole other series of sermons. All I'm saying is we're known for these things, not for our love. When you pull the U.S. as a whole. And Jesus didn't say people will know that you're a follower of me when you make them pray a prayer. Or the way that you vote. Or when you have a holy huddle and you lock out the outside world. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said people are going to know you're a follower of me by the way that you love one another. So, friends, we, we've got to get back to this. Again, and I'm not pointing fingers at you or Linden or North County. I'm simply saying on a, on a national scale, this is what people think of. Add on top of, this is the research, not my opinion. Add on top of the research, the caricature or the stereotype of what it means to be a Christian. You've heard some of these, right? Uh, we're anti-science. Um, we're the moral police. This is good. This is bad. This is sin. Your sin, right? We just call all these shots. Uh, dress codes. Modest is hottest. Some of you are like, I'm going to use that real quick. My is hottest. Uh, You know, you can tell you're a Christian because you're wearing um, whatever it is, right? Whatever brand. Uh, Your Sunday plaid, right? You can tell. They just look, oh, you look like a pastor, right? Um, Our language, and I'm not necessarily just talking about swearing, but we have Christianese. When when non-Christians hear that we've been washed with the blood of the lamb, it causes hesitation on their part. (laughs) They're like, this is weird. You talk to people, and you're like, hey, how's your walk, brother? And you're, they're like, uh, you seem walking just fine. Like, he, do you understand what I mean? Like, there's this whole other subculture of, of our language. You've been in the word lately? Like, wh- what does that mean? We know what that means. Other people have no idea. What word? How do you go into the word? I, right, I'm just trying to point out that there's this whole other subculture, this stereotype stuff. Christian knockoff versions. You like YouTube? Try GodTube. Does your kid like cartoons? Try VeggieTales. You like the movies? Watch Fireproof. You, you understand? There's like, there, there's the research, there's the facts that say this, and then there's this stereotype. And again, I'm not mad at any of this. I have been blessed by a lot of this. But nowhere on the, the research or the caricature of what it means to be a Christian is the word love. So for me and my family, what we set out to do in 2021 is to work and be relentless in when it comes to unconditional love for neighbor. Amen. Our whole year, for me and my family, it is dedicated to that. We're not gonna, we're not gonna memorize all the books of the Bible. We're gonna focus on loving neighbor this year. Okay? We're not, we're not gonna focus on how our beliefs line up with our politics. That's important too. We're gonna focus on love of neighbor. We moved into our house in, I think it is August, and I want the people on our little cul-de-sac, our little block right there to go, thank God Stephen Darcy Osborne moved in because our life has been blessed because of it. That is the goal. It's, it's the theme of our small groups this year, and I hope it would be the theme of your life this year, that this year, in 2021, people will know that we are Jesus' disciples by the way that we love one another. If I haven't given you point number two, I'm sorry. I got a little carried away. Number two, people will know we're Christians by the way we love each other. Can I give you point number three? I got passionate and I got lost. Number three, we all need to practice loving others without conditions. Listen to what Jesus said. Here's what happens when we do this. Ready? Matthew 5. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Right? Your love. Your love for a neighbor and glorify your Father in heaven. Did you catch it? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they, non-Christians, the outside world, they're going to see your good deeds. When you mow someone else's lawn, you shovel their driveway, you get groceries for them, you check in on people uh, in in nursing homes and you reach out to other people, you put air and gas in someone else's car. When The way that you live your life, when people see you and the love that you have for God and neighbor, they're going to go, there must be a God. And they're going to worship that God. That's what it says. Look, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. I, can, do you picture this? And it may start out going, look, I'm skeptical of North County and what they believe and all of this. But man, do you see the way that they interact with one another? I would love that. I can't wait to hire a bunch of Christians on my team because they're the hardest working and the most caring people in the whole wide world. And they they don't treat our clients like a number. They treat them like actual human beings. They just love so much. And I I don't know. They believe it's kind of weird, like a virgin birth, death, resurrection. I don't know if I can get on board with that. But man, my company has been better because they've been here. My family has been blessed because so-and-so became a Christian. And just the generosity and the love and the forgiveness, it's it's as if they're loving us like Jesus did. There must be a God And they're going to glorify our Father in heaven. that That's the goal. It's not the bumper stickers, the clothing, the t-shirts, the voting. It's none of that. It's the way that you and I love each other. And people are going to say, I I don't know what that is. But I want that. And we get the awesome opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Now, point number three, I gave it to you, right? We need to practice this. Why do we need to practice? Because it it doesn't come naturally. Which is why we need the Holy Spirit to help us do this. Because here's what I know. There are opportunities in life where we need to be um, gracious. And the same opportunities come in life where we need to be truthful. You ever mixed up those two? Maybe you have a family member that over the holidays, you really wanted to go and just be truthful with them. And then the Holy Spirit, or maybe just your neighbor, lovingly said, "Oh, why don't you dial that back a little bit?" Hey, for some of you, this is your upbringing. This is your family. Maybe for some of you, you went to a church that a church that was all truth and no grace. Vice versa, you could do anything; it doesn't matter because Jesus says, "Woo!" Or you could do nothing right in the sight of God. We we need a healthy. Mix of both. And friends, the only way you and I get really, really good at that is if we have other people in our lives looking at us and holding us accountable and encouraging us to do so. This is why I'm so excited for today. This is Small Groups Sign Up Sunday because we launch next week. The whole point of Small Groups is this, not to check your morality, not to see how much doctrine you have memorized, but to help you and I become professional agape lovers of Jesus and neighbor. To be people that unconditionally love God and love other people. That's it. So if you sign up and you join a group or if you sign up to lead a group, your job is not to teach them. The Bible says your job is to help them love their neighbors unconditionally. That's it. That's it. You're going to gather together. The questions are based off of what we talk about on a Sunday morning, so you don't have to do a bunch of extra research. You're going to walk through and say, Oh, question number three made me think of this. And question four, I like that because of this, that, and the other. And my favorite verse is in question number five. And then at the end of it, you're going to pray for one another. Why? Because that's loving. That's it. That's it. That's the theme of small groups. That's what we're going to focus on this year. And here's what I know about you some of you, you desperately need this. You've just been hesitant. And you need this some of you you can lead not because you're some biblical scholar But because god has done some phenomenal things in your life and other people need to hear your story You can give people hope because if he's done it in your life. Surely god can do it in theirs They need to hear that story You have a lot to offer You can do this and people need you to do this Because that's what love requires of us I don't have the time i'm busy. I got this other thing going on. No, 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 no that's, those are good, but that's second, because the greatest thing you and I can do is to love God and love other people. That comes first: business, social engagement, family It's all secondary. So I, I'm going to invite the band to come up, and, and we're going to sing one song. And during this song, here's what I would ask of you: that, Would you spend some time in prayer asking God if you should lead a small group? We always have a shortage of groups for people to attend. And some of you, you've just been sitting on the fence. You have a story to tell. You're a follower of Jesus and you have seen his hand move, his hand of blessing move in your life. You need to lead. Some of you, last year was rough. This year is not getting any better. You don't have anything to give. You cannot lead. You simply need to be in a group of people and be encouraged and be loved. You need to join a small group. Because at at the end of the day, at the end of our life, you know what we want to be known for? What our kids need us to be known for is unconditional love. And we practice this in our small groups. And friends, if we can't carve out an hour, hour and a half during our week to meet together with other followers of Jesus Christ and practice loving other people unconditionally, it's going to be real hard to do it Monday through Sunday. So I I want to encourage, I want to challenge, even manipulate. Choose your word. I I, I don't care. You need this. There are people in your family that need this. You have so much more to give and offer to people than you even realize. And God wants to do a miracle in you and through you. He's just waiting for you to get up off the fence and go. So if you're online, you need to go to our website, ncctk.com. You need to click on the small groups link and click join a group or lead a group. We'll train you, we'll equip you. It's it's not hard. And some of you in this room, you're involved in groups and you get it. You're like, this, my life is just, <laughs> I've just seen God move. It's just been better. For those of you that that's not your experience or you don't even know, would you meet me and our small groups team out in the comments so we can answer any questions you have? Because I think you're more qualified to lead a group than you think you are. And some of you, you know you need to be in a group. You're just waiting for a nudge, a a kick in the butt, whatever it is. Would would today be that day? I, I believe that 2021 will be the year that Christians shift that narrative. That we are known for our love of God and our love of neighbor. It's what the world needs. It's what the world wants. And we have the answer. So during this time of worship, would you pray? Would you even look with your spouse and take their hand and eyeball to eyeball, kneecap to kneecap, and say, Does God have this for us? Should we lead? Should we join a group? And would you pray and seek the Lord during this moment? So, Father, would you be with our our church community, both online and in the room, Lord? If anyone is hesitant or feeling insecure, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in their soul. Would they know that they are fully equipped? To participate in a group, to lead a group, to be involved. But God, may we be people that are known for our love for you and our unconditional love of our neighbor. Would the outside world, outside of Linden, outside of Whatcom County, would they look at us as individuals, would they look at our church and say, there is something supernatural there and I want it. And God will give you all the honor and all the glory. Father, would you speak to us in this moment? Your church is gathered. We're here. We want to hear from you. Amen.